0: How is your business growing? What parts of your business are you ignoring or avoiding because you don't know what to do about it? In this episode, we have the amazing Trey Donovan from The Scale Factor, outlining a seven-step journey to scale our businesses. Knowing the factors is one thing. Being able to implement them is another. So we're going to not just talk about the strategies, we're also going to dig into some of the typical stories that prevent us from implementing these factors consistently and effectively. As you know, at plena Vita, we are advocates for conscious business owners. We are committed to helping founders and CEOs leverage self-leadership, not just to improve their own experience, but to be the leader that creates the conditions for everyone within the organization to grow and exceed expectations. If you recognize that your best efforts are not moving you closer to your goals, and you are highly aware of the impact this struggle is having, not just on your business goals, but also on your health, your relationships, and your own well being? Reach out to me at maryplenavita.coach at and let's get you back on track. And finally, if you do not have a community of trusted advisors, I highly encourage you to check out Trust Degrity. This is a highly connected community willing to encourage, support, and celebrate together there is no need to be a Wolfpack 01. Thank you for listening and enjoy this conversation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this recording of the Fully Alive podcast. Today, I am thrilled to be with Trey Donovan. Trey helps businesses scale, and he's got a roadmap for us to follow on scaling. And We're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about what gets in the way of even once you have a, a beautiful roadmap, what can get in the way of really even implementing that roadmap uh, to its fullest degree. Trey, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me on, Mary. This is gonna be an awesome conversation.
0: It really is. So before we get into the all of the content, let's let's talk a little bit about you. What brought you to the work that you're doing today?
1: Oh man, the service of others. Okay. So those of you that know Enneagram, there's different ways or or there's a lot of personality tests. Enneagram right. is just one of them. But you can take a multitude of these tests and they tell you what your tendencies are, right? What's your natural instincts are, which are great for awareness. I'm a big fan of the awareness without the this is who I am defined. I have no control over it. But that aside. I enjoy serving and helping other people. I also enjoy achieving things myself. That's obviously a very strong element to this. But man, if I can do that while helping someone else, I feel so good, feel awesome. And so that's what I've committed my life to doing is helping others. And so I made my way into the small and mid-sized business space early on and found that I really enjoy that. Uh, It feels personal. Uh, I can relate to it. It feels like the work that I do, I can see the full impact of, or at least a, a large portion of that impact, which is nice versus yeah. being like, I think I made a difference, but I'm not sure. You get to see it in small and sized business. You get to see it pretty quickly, typically. So that is what brought me to the space. And then I just love it so much. I can't get away from it. So.
0: Oh, that's okay. The first question, uh, a tactical question. What do you define as small to mid-size?
1: Mm. It can look a lot of different ways, right? Generally speaking, if you're talking about a, a, a business based in the United States, I yeah. typically think of those that have teams of fifty or less. Yeah, I typically think of revenues in the twenty million or less. That's not always the case, but I typically think of sole ownership or a few founders, right? Okay. Not a conglomerate of, of ownership, a, a pretty simple ownership structure is the best way to say that. And then those making local and, and national impact, and so. Those are broad, and yet I think it gives maybe a sense of of the small to mid-sized business that I'm referring to. And that goes all the way down to, hey, it's myself and my partner or spouse or best friend. We started this thing, and it's awesome. And it really seems to be getting traction, but I don't know what to do with it now. So it can go down also to very small.
0: Oh, I love this. I am so glad to be speaking with you because part of my story is when I decided to leave public education and be the coach that I wish that I had had, I knew nothing about how to build a business. I literally sat at home for a year, just hoping that a business would emerge. Obviously that didn't happen, (laughs) but that experience really, I guess it it sticks with me. And that fear of not knowing what to do and not knowing who to trust to really help us get there. So that's why I'm really happy to be speaking with you. We get to start to build some trust with you about what it is that you do, how do you do your work and what kind of outcomes could we create together? That's why I'm really psyched about this conversation. So yeah. Thank you I, for,
1: you for All right.
0: So let's talk about the seven, what are we? Seven, not layers, seven. Seven things.
1: factors is what Back. we call them. Factors of scale. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Brief overview, mountaintop kind of view would be there's seven factors. And really I came to this and also I have two other co-founders came to this through experience. This was we were helping businesses. We were consulting different businesses, a lot of different types, different industries, again, in that general space of small and mid-size.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What we started to notice is, man, there could be two businesses that share the exact same industry, exact same space, very similar business structure from a product and, and service standpoint, team, team build out, all of it looked very similar. One scaled and one struggled to gain momentum. And we started to ask the question. I'm an inquisitive person it's just like why is this happening everything on the surface looks like both of these people should be able to succeed and there is not just seven answers to this spoiler alert it's so much more than that right but i started to notice some trends as well to be like wow when these things when these pieces of the puzzle get put in place in the right place in the right order things go quick right we see that momentum gather quickly or at least more quickly than otherwise and so we started to narrow it down and so we narrowed it down to seven and we got really lucky, I guess I would say, because we are able to use factors as an acronym, and that's not always possible. A lot of times you can bend and stretch and tweak and try to make it so these actually, I feel like flow pretty well. And it's easy to remember, especially for someone like me, that's helpful. the seven factors, the first one is find your buyer, no business, no entity, no organization can scale without really being able to find more buyers. And so. Find is obviously a verb before we can find them. We have to know them and understand them and really create an ICP, an ideal customer profile. But all of that is for the reason of being able to find more. So factor number one is find your buyer. Factor number two is amplify your brand. Once we do know who we're serving, we've defined that. We know then how to amplify our brand, where to amplify our brand using what methods and communication and words and descriptions and all those things can be clear. So we know how to amplify our brand. The third one is to create new revenue. Typically, this is done through either looking at an existing business, the way they typically generate revenue. Sometimes it requires simplification. Sometimes it requires bundling multiple products together and say, hey, this would be so much easier to scale if we just bundle these together and offered it, positioned it this way, whatever. Sometimes that's creating new products. And we we talk about that a lot with clients who, man, you've got the stark of a value ladder, but it seems like the third rung up, we just stopped innovating and we just are trying to pack more and more people on this third rung. The rung is only three feet wide. How many people can we fit before we have to, again, go up and different things. That's a big key to this is creating new revenue. The next one is team alignment, right? If our vision doesn't include a team, it's not big enough. So we have to have good team alignment, healthy team alignment. The next one is operationalize your sales. If we don't have a way to truly create a sales engine in our business or our organization, it's going to be really hard to scale. Diving a little bit deeper into that one is actually the sales motion, being able to create a repeatable sales motion. So the next factor is repeat the sales motion. What is that? From end to end, customer journey, sales process, what is that end to end uh, motion that we have? And then the last one, S... I will say this is the one that we had to stretch a little bit. We had to bend this one a little bit, but it's scaling through investment. Too many times I've seen too many business owners or organization leaders who get to the end of the year. They have some profits, right? They have some profits, but they don't know what to do with that. They've already paid themselves too, right? So it's like that profit first mentality. But then it's like, what do I do with this? Do I put it away for a rainy day? Do I go down to a dealership and invest in a vehicle for my business? Because I know what I'm going to walk away with then. Whereas if I put it somewhere else, I don't really know what the return is going to be. And So really helping them understand where they can apply those resources to gather more steam in the business.
0: Wow. First of all, let me just amplify your plug for profit first. I think that's an amazing way to manage finances. And so coming back then to your factors. Yes, I would agree. This is an amazing acronym. And it seems to hit all of those areas that, you know, so here's when I was, here's how I'm saying this. As a business owner, sometimes we focus so much on what it is we're selling, what are we serving, like all of that stuff. And we're forgetting about, maybe I'm revealing too much of myself here. I don't know, but (laughs) right. We don't look into these kinds of things and to have such a nice roadmap is really remarkable. Again, going back to my own experience of knowing how to build a business, not knowing where Mm -hmm. to begin. There's a ton of books out there. There's a ton of coaches out there. Mm -hmm. But again, I I think it comes down to who do we trust? Yeah, And this feels like there's some solidity here. Okay, I have an idea of what the roadmap is. Mm -hmm. So now the next challenge is now that we have the roadmap, I would like to believe in a perfect world. Oh, okay. Now I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. So I'm going to go out and do this. And then come back to you and say, man, Trey, you're awesome. These five, these seven factors, it's just what I needed. But I have a feeling that's not how it happens.
1: Not always for certain. <laughs> so,
0: well, I would love to dive into the, how the mindset, how our stories yeah. interfere with our ability to implement such a clear and concise roadmap.
1: Yeah. First, I think in my experience, and this is just a little slice of, right, the grand picture, but in my particular experience, I think fear can be a large driver. Let's just look at the first factor of finding our buyer. Most businesses are on their journey somewhere, right? So that this could be a business that has been operational for 20 years. They have a really secure client base. This could also be a startup, right? We started this thing last year. Like I said, we've negated or gone through the product market fit. We know people want what we have because they're buying it, but we're selling it to 80 different types of individuals or 80. If it's a business to business, I'm selling to 80 different types of businesses. Like who's actually my buyer? And so I think underlying that can be this fear of I can't say no to them mm-hmm. because do I really know for certain that's not the right ICP? And so I think this underlying fear can be there. So I'd say one of the main drivers with even mentally preparing ourselves for this is realize that it's a process and realize that it's going to come with constant iteration. Unless your business is very established, Mm -hmm. you will be iterating on your ICP or your ideal client for some time. This is not an overnight thing. We're not going to sit down and in one strategy session, have a perfect client for you and you're just going to live happily ever after. That's not the way it works. And, and I liken it to a, a physical description. Of this might be, you think about the old wooden yardstick that some of us had tucked in our pantry or something. Right. If you were to balance that on your hand by just looking at the base where it's sitting on your pole, you, it's going to be really hard, if not impossible, to balance it, right? You're not looking at what's going on with the full breadth of it. Mm -mm. Now, if you were to move your vision to the top of that yardstick, then all of a sudden your hand can move while you're looking at truly what that end goal is and keeping it balanced. It can be similar with our ICP. We need to start with an end in mind to say, I believe this is where my ICP lies. It's this type of business in this industry. I even serve on this particular team. The CMO is our main point of contact or whatever it is. You're going to make constant iterations. There's going to be a lot of failure and the whole idea is fail fast, mm-hmm. but over time you get better and better. And, and, and the analogy here breaks down really quick. As you can see, I'm great with the knobs. This, the stick is getting shorter. It goes from three That's feet short. to two feet to one feet. Next thing you are just perfectly balancing your ideal customer in the palm of your hand. Yeah. That's just not day one. And so it takes. It
0: does. And thank you. I, I really appreciate hearing that. I, for the listeners who are following, I just launched a new website, a new me, in September, and this was the third time in three years that I've done that. Okay. And I was—I remember being with a, a group of my peers, a networking group, and I was saying to them, "Okay, this is it. I'm I'm settling in on this. This is feels the best, and this is it. I finally figured it out." And one of my very gentle and kind friend says Mary. <laughs> no, it isn't the Don't last put
1: yourself time. up that way. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <great. laughs>
0: That's right. And he's, and he asked me, he goes, Mary, every time you change, what was the impetus for the change? I had a, a growth spurt. I personally grew. Hmm. And so he goes, Why, Why are, are you shutting it? out your own potential for growth then? Hmm. By saying, I'm never gonna change this again. Yeah. So I love it that you are you remind. This is a process because I think that I'm, I had a story in my head that I had to figure it out. I had to figure Important. out who I was so that I could be consistent in telling people who I was and what mm-hmm. I do. Learned just to give myself grace with that. Yeah. Like, this is oh. who I am today. This is what I'm doing today. Mm-hmm. And this is, these are the people that I'm helping and here's how I'm helping them. Six months from now, could be another upgrade. I don't know. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's still always going to be in alignment with my values in alignment of the vision that I have for myself, so it's not like I'm taking these wild left turns. And even if I did, that would be okay too. But I, I, I don't think that's what I hear you talking about. I, what I really hear in this, enjoy. Not, you didn't say enjoy. I'm going to say enjoy the process. Yeah. Because there is no destination. We're in yes. a constant state of creating.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah, I think the fear of getting it wrong can be to answer full circle your question. The fear of getting it wrong. Of, oh my goodness, I have to get my ICP perfect today. Yeah, that can be a big one. It yeah. is that underlying fear of not getting it right. The other thing is just understanding your point. It's part of the process. Yeah, right. We want to we want to more narrowly define our ICP. The more mature our business gets, right? We hope that there's a day where yeah, we found our groove in the world, and I feel like that's. In my mind, how I picture business is you're, you, you've yeah. got this piece of granite. You've got a car of your little groove out. That's uniquely yours. Everything about it has your fingerprint and you all in it. And that takes time. If it's a drip of water or a stream of water, it's going to take years and years, right? Hopefully, it's not that long for us. But the idea is let's start to wear that path. And where we see success, double down on it. Wow, you know what? I serve this type of person. They found what I did immensely valuable. They're a raving fan. They love everything I did. I I know there's more of that person. Let me, maybe let's go find a couple more of those and see if this is actually working. Yeah. Wow. All three of these people now are like, okay, there's something here. Right. And so you'll find it. But I think starting by just putting in a few filters and starting to narrow that down is is so helpful.
0: Yeah. One of the other things that came up for me as you were describing that was that experimentation has to happen in real time. Like, mm-hmm. we don't have a lab that we could go over here and say, oh, what is the, this kind of person or this kind of need and wh- whatever. And then I can come back out into the real world and present my perfect creation. We're creating it as we're experimenting with. It.
1: We are all the time. And, and hopefully if we're doing it well, we're asking for feedback, right? We're being completely transparent to say, hey, customer, how is this for you? Are we hitting all the points we need to? What could I be doing differently? Whether that's in some kind of routine, I'm a huge fan of building this into your process. Again, skipping forward about operationalizing your sales and repeating a sales motion. Make this part of it is that at, at almost every stage of their journey, there's some type of feedback loop to say, hey, you're a week into the process. How are things going? What have you picked up on? What, it, what could be missing? How can I support you? And for doing that, they're going to tell us everything that we needed now. Uh and it's going to really speed up the process because what I know to be true is if we're working with our clients, we're we're serving them in the way we should. They are going to be raving fans of ours, and they are more than willing to help you. They want to see you win just as much as you want to win. So,
0: I love that. Thank you for reminding us of that as well. Sometimes I feel like we we feel like we're in competition, not just with our competitors, mm. but we're just in a state of competition and think that we have to fight for are raving fans and I think that sometimes that fighting can actually turn off our fans yeah and create a barrier between us and them
1: Yep, and being pliable understanding that we're all on a growth path right I hope to be iterating my business forever right and so if that's truly what I teach then I need to implement it myself and man if I'm not looking for that feedback and looking for ways to enhance what I'm doing I'm missing out on opportunity not only to up level myself as a leader and as a business owner, but again, in service to our clients.
0: So. Absolutely. Okay. I love that. So we really dug into the, the fear around finding that buyer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What does amplify your brand mean?
1: Oh man, this is a fun one. So when we do create some filters and start to narrow down, and again, what I would say is you can think about this different ways, but let's spend Sometimes stuff that's good to put a timeframe on it. Hey, I think I know who my ideal buyer is because I'm using the top five clients that I currently serve as a as a roadmap to say, I think if I duplicated and brought on 10 more or 20 more of this type of uh, client, it would be really good. So then you'd have to start, okay, if that were to be true, what do we know about that client? What are all the things we know about them? And we do this work in the find your buyer, but it's like mm-hmm. there's the demographic side, if you're a business to business, there's something called permographics that are just like the basics, but then there's also emotional. What do I know emotionally about my client? What do I know about them socially? What do I know about their goals, their values, their aspirations, why they put value in certain areas when they feel valuable? What is it about them that I know? Because then I can go and take that and say, okay, if I want to communicate better to this individual or this type of business, we can then just open Pandora's box and look at all the ways to do that, right? So we can look at, tactically speaking, we can say, okay, what channels they're being influenced already, right? Your buyers right now are being influenced before they meet you and they're going to continue to be influenced by others after they meet you. But understanding that can also say, okay, where do I need to position myself? Where do I need to show up to add the most value? Even before they're a client. Hey, where what are those spaces or places that I can show up in to add value? So you look at different channels of social media or email or events or webinar or trainings or newsletters or The list is extremely long, but what are some ways that would be effective? Because I want to meet my clients where they are. I've used the analogy of think of you and your best friend at a stadium, right? You've gone to a music event or a sporting event and you've got this stadium of a hundred thousand people and you've become lost and both of you left your phone in your seats and you're like, okay. What do I know about my friend? I know my friend is always snacking, like just loves to have something in their hands when they're watching this you know, event. So guess where I'm going? I'm going to the popcorn stand or I'm going to go start scanning the food court because I know whether it's now or in a few minutes, they're going to come through and we can meet up, right? So yeah. horrible analogy, but the idea is like, if we can understand our buyer, we can start to say, okay, where do they show up? Where do they, what do we know about them that will help us be in the right place at the right time? To show up for them, and so when we think about brand amplification, that's the start of it. Is where do we show up?
0: So, what are some of the biggest challenges? Because I'm thinking of some challenges, but I wonder from your own ex- uh, experience with clients, what are the challenges that interfere with this factor?
1: Mm-hmm. There can be a few for sure. I think the, the one I mentioned actually for Find Your Buyer is not negated on this one either. The fear of, oh, what if I get it wrong? But I think underlying that, it's just probably trying to do too much is what I see often. Mm-hmm. It's like trying to show up in too many places, in too many spaces, saying too many things to where you dilute, you dilute your effectiveness. Okay, I'm a fan of go deeper and mm-hmm. fail quicker. And I say fail quicker because, and, and I don't mean that we don't fail, right? We learn, right, we
0: try right. different things, yes.
1: find out if it works and if it doesn't move to the next thing. And so that's something that I would say is really encouraging. I've, I've worked with a lot of business owners who are like, okay, great. So now we need to be on 12 different platforms with, with 20 messages on each of those platforms. So you can see how this little ball of yarn starts to grow and is, oh my gosh, it becomes overwhelming. And so I think one of the key things I try to help people do is simplify. Let's start with what we believe the top three. Let's invest in those. Let's show up in those spaces and let's measure the results for the next three months. Then let's look at what other ways. And that's just whatever top of mind. Maybe it's three weeks. But again, give it some time, ample time, Mm -hmm. measure the results, Mm -hmm. right? Because it will, again, um, you won't nail it on your first one, most likely.
0: Yeah. Again, uh, what I'm hearing there is stay with the process, right? We definitely want to get to outcomes, but it's not about winning. It's not about, yeah, I nailed it the first time or the second time or even the third time, right? And that's not winning. The winning is what have we learned along each one of these iterations, as you said.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know what I've seen often when the latter happens? When someone nailed it on the first try? Yeah. They don't actually know why. So they've got this underlying fear and guilt of, I don't actually know what I'm doing. I just got really lucky. And so I'm going to keep riding this train, but my gosh, if this thing ever shuts off, I don't know what to do. And so they have that. no one wants to live in that place either because they just, every day is like, oh, is the shoe going to fall today? Is this going to be the day that it all yeah, hits the fan? And so doing the work, oh man, there are so many lessons in the learning and just go through it. Enjoy to your point earlier. Enjoy the process everything is a learning experience. Document as you go. Bring your own awareness on the journey too, right? Uplevel your awareness the whole time. Learn things about yourself in the process. You'll be better. uh, You'll serve better when you do that.
0: I know I've said this several times, but I think it's uh, applicable here too. Uh, For me, entrepreneurship is the greatest personal development journey that you'll ever take. It is. There's no place to hide. Mm-hmm. You know, all of the stories that we have grown up with, that, that were designed to hold us back, keep us safe, mm-hmm. um, are the very barriers that will get in our way of becoming the business owner uh, and creating the impact that we really want to create. Yes, yeah,
1: it is such a journey, and it's fun when you can embrace it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, you definitely have those days where you feel like you took it on the chin, and then other days you're just right at the peak of the mountain. You're just like, oh my gosh, this is
0: amazing. Yes. <laughs> The days on the chin make those peaks even. It's relative, right? It's so true. Yep. So I, I I just want to point that out because I know we all have days where what the heck, right? Anything. And gosh, how many more times do I have to learn this lesson? Kind of thing, right? We want to judge ourselves or criticize ourselves, and it's completely unnecessary, in my yep. opinion, right? Yep. I think that's a habit that we've just been taught. We've been taught if we didn't get there, we have to analyze it. We have to figure out what we got to do differently. And what I like about this approach is what are we, what are we going to learn from this? It's still active, right? When I'm being passive, we're not sitting back and saying, oh, let's just see what happens. But we're also not charging out ahead of it. That's, that was my style in the past. Where do I want to go? Okay. I would have taken your factors and I would have said, okay, here's my path. And and I'm going to give myself three months to do the factor. I'm going to give myself two months to do this. And right. And I would have just done that. And I would have let that agenda Drive my behaviors. Yeah. And I would have burned out very quickly. I would have gotten frustrated very quickly because I wouldn't be in the process. I would be looking for the outcome. Yeah. And so, this is why I I just want to share that with the listeners because those are the traps that we put ourselves in. And aware of them gives us an opportunity to make a different choice.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I often think of it as like, Working from a process versus to a process, and it's not a huge shift, but we can work from a process. In other words, I've got this underlying foundation that I'm working from versus using this process as a bar of perfection of we're constantly striving and reaching for this place that is, is fake to begin with, that we'll never reach and we'll constantly live in like this shadow of am I doing enough versus Man, we've got this great foundation. Let's use this as the trampoline to do a lot of great things. But work from it, not to it. Yeah, big difference.
0: Love how you describe that. All right, one more. I really want to dive into, and that's team alignment. So again, coming mm-hmm. from my own um, background and leadership, I imagined I wanted to be that leader that brought out the best in everyone else. Mm-hmm. And I I still see a lot of people who are are striving for that, but we're coming out of this leadership model that says you have to have all the right answers, right? And really, you direct more than you facilitate. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what is your approach to team alignment?
1: Yeah, man, I come from that same background. The first um, role that I ever had, that's what I saw above me, right? So that's what was administered as the status quo was leaders have all the answers. They're directing the troops, so to speak. and You just get in line and do your best. And as you rise to those levels, you better have all the answers. And what I quickly learned was that's not reality, right? And so you've got these leaders with massive imposter syndrome that are just struggling every day to have all the answers or create a facade that looks like they have all the answers and it's not reality. I share that sentiment. What I think is the most powerful element of leadership, especially within a business setting or organization setting is the power of a shared vision. Mm -hmm. It's talked about plenty. It's not a new idea, but I've seen teams that were, oh, what's a word for this? Like patchwork at best, right? Just the oddest mix of people and skill sets and experiences create the most beautiful element of leadership ever. And I've also seen what looks like the perfect team on paper. Go up in a ball of flames, and so it's not about those things as much as it about do we have a shared vision? Are we all focused on that vision, and are we all self aware enough to realize we're all here uh, striving for the same vision? No one comes with the playbook or the encyclopedia with all the answers in it. It's literally here's where we're going. Every day we show up trying to reach one cl- percent closer to that, and we're all in this together, right? So what can we learn from each other, and, and hire people smarter than and more capable than you and and support them and be next to them and continue to share the vision and just keep tooting the horn of vision will go so far. So again, not to be status quo, but I've seen it work and that's why I say it and I don't, I'm not bashful about it. Vision is the most powerful tool uh, when it comes to leadership.
0: I would agree with you. And I'm curious to hear from your perspective, what happens when vision is not clearly articulated?
1: Oh, there's a funny saying. Oh, I'm not going to come up with it, but it's essentially, if it's foggy for the leader, it, it's, you can't see it from the the follower, if you will. And there's a, a much more eloquent way to say that than I just did. But the idea is if it's not clear, it becomes more confusing. So to your point, clarifying that vision, I think it was one of the, I forget what leader it was, but it talks about vision leaks as well. I think Two things come to my mind, being really clear on it, which means taking the time to invest in clarifying that vision, taking the place, the space, the time, the investment, the resources, put it in. It will yield massive dividends for you. The ROI is extremely high. So put in the investment to clarify it. And then second, repeat it more often than you think you should. If you feel like some more, <laughs> yeah, and then some more, because it, it's never enough and do it in a natural way. Not, oh, guess what? We're starting a meeting. Let me pull out the scroll and let's read the vision statement. Amen. No, just embody it. When you think of little learning moments with your team, bring up how that connects to the vision or applaud them on. I saw you take this lead or make that decision. That totally supports our vision. And then we get into more like mission and values, which also support that vision. Take the time to create those as well. And and I would even encourage you, create the antithesis of it. Mm -hmm. Create a list of things that are your values, right? Our values are not showing up this way. Then that makes it easier to say, what are we then? And and then make it widespread. Don't give hierarchy to it. Make sure your team and everyone in the company knows you can call me out when I'm not supporting the vision just as well as I can encourage you when you're not, right? And this is a two-way street. No one's above anyone else. We've all said this is the shared vision let's all just encourage and bolter each other to that. So.
0: Yes. I, I Again, I am so with you on this shared vision piece, because I think when we bring people together, we are bringing them together for a purpose, right? Where we want to create an outcome. <laughs> and when, what I see when the leader is not clear themselves on that vision, or they're not adequately communicating and applying that vision to our daily practice like it like you said it becomes something we just put up on a wall the people that are on that team don't have clarity on what's expected of them Yep, they may not even be enrolled in the same outcome i've worked with teams where different members of the team were wanting to get the team into a different place and so there's that obvious conflict but even when we think we're moving in the same direction Then we get into what are our different roles and what are the different ways that we contribute to this? And even as I heard myself say different roles and I heard that saying, I hate is stay in your lane kind of thing, right? That's siloing and that's so old uh, school, but When we have clarity about what that vision is, and we are being repeatedly uh, reminded not only what that vision is, but also how it's showing up in our day-to-day interactions, now it's real. Mm -hmm. Now it's real. Now as a team member, I get to continuously decide, am I still enrolled in this vision? Or am I no longer interested in this? Or or, or is is my skill set either not what this team needs? Or... Is it below where my skills are, right? Mm-hmm. I want to grow. And maybe I need to go find a place where I can now expand uh, my skill sets outside of this team. And, and so, I, to me, this whole team dynamics, it, it, there's two things I really want to highlight. One is making sure that everyone understands how they contribute to the vision. Yeah. Because yes. if they don't have clarity and you're not reminding them of that on a consistent basis, Weekly is not too often. (laughs) That's right. Then they're going to lose motivation. They're going to lose their clarity about why they're here, what their role is, and how they contribute to this. Because if I don't see how my contribution is moving us, again, I'm going to lose motivation. Why am I going to be engaged in this?
1: Right. Right.
0: And the other piece that I I really want to highlight here, too, is that idea that leadership culture is a uh, top-down scenario. And I see that However, the leader leads themself, meaning what, how do I talk to myself? How do I encourage myself? How do I personally make meaning out of fail, failure, right? Uh, when things don't go well, because the way the leader responds to those things to themselves is exactly how they're going to respond to others when they do the same thing. That's right. And it, so I, it, I learned this the hard way. You know, I was wanting to be like, um, do as I say, not as I do. If, uh, hey, yeah. but there's no way around that for leadership and again particularly in small businesses mm-hmm. you can get away with that in bigger companies and institutions where well, you can hide right it's possible yeah but in the work that we're talking about entrepreneurship and, and particularly if we're talking about entrepreneurship that is a purpose-driven and we're wanting to make a positive impact on our communities through our products and services that leader has to be completely aligned with themselves because anything that's not aligned, is going to show up in their team.
1: It will. And it'll show up quickly too, because again, it's just like the adage of parenthood, right? There's so much more that's caught than taught. And I think the same goes for any leadership position, right? It's yeah. not just families. They're witnessing how those, th- how you interact with those things, how you approach, how you process and how you speak about those things every day. Right. And they're picking up on that. I do think to your point, after vision, there does need to be some type of set of goals, right? And, and I think what I've seen is someone try to take this vision that I forget who coined the phrase of BHAG, but they take this big, hairy, audacious goal that's we want to change the world. And wow, that's awesome. Okay, so we are not going to boil the ocean. So what? how much of that do we want to do today versus whatever? So there is an amount of, okay, let's keep the vision. I love the three-year mark. I think mm-hmm. vision becomes really impactful at three years at, down to current. So let's drive the stake at three years and then let's reverse engineer and find out what would have to be true between now and then for us to focus on. And then carve out three to five goals per year. Big goals, right? These are the things that like the, if we get to the end of the year, we can say yes to these three things. We have won the year for sure. Obviously subset of those is probably three to five goals per quarter that we're actively managing, but right. making sure the list doesn't get out of control. Cause if we have a, a world impacting vision, which I love, I don't, don't trade out that vision, just take that vision and bring it down to three years. We can still change the world, but we're going to do it three years at a time. That's right. Which means we're doing it hourly and daily and weekly and monthly and quarterly, right? It all stacks up, but dial it down, put some clear goals around it. And then to your point, connect that to the individual. help them understand. Because I've found that some people struggle with this, right? Some people are just naturally gifted, I feel like. I don't know what it is. I've figured it out. But some people just clue in on those connecting dots. Others need help connecting it. And (laughs) be the leader who connects the dots for them to say, you know what? I noticed this about you. I noticed you doing this activity. That connects to this, which makes this possible. And it's like a light bulb. And to your point, my goodness, they show up different when they can connect those dots.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause they, now that that team member feels acknowledged, they're seen, they're heard, they're valued. They'll do anything for you. Yeah. They want more of that. They want to stay right. seen, heard, and valued. And they learn that when they contribute in the way that they can to this mission, that's what they're going to get. And so it's this yeah. this, another feedback loop, right?
1: Yeah. That fulfillment is pretty powerful, right? When we it's- individually have that fulfillment we show up completely differently. So you're yeah.
0: Trey, we're not going to go through all seven of these, but these three have really been a particularly joy to dive into those a little bit deeper, get to our mindset that shapes how we actually implement <laughs> uh, each one of these factors. Because in my opinion, the how you've got the how laid out. There's going to be a barrier. It's going to be our own stories. Yeah. And again, that personal development journey. Let's figure out what our story is that's blocking us, preventing us from showing up the way we want to, and get that alignment, get that student yeah. level.
1: Because yeah. when a
0: leader can do that for themselves, now they're modeling that it's possible. And it's almost now an expectation for their. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And people will rise to that. Even those that don't do it naturally, they'll rise to it. They'll. I feel like um, self-awareness is one of those things that once you get a taste of it, you're like, wow, this is really great. This is, I want more of this. I haven't met a lot of people, unless it's out of fear, who who experience some of it and go, wow, I don't really want that. Either they're running from something or they just don't understand the impact. But right. man, actually a neighbor lives up the street from me. John Acuff wrote a book called Soundtracks and it's about, yeah, what are those soundtracks going on? Because typically... If we look at limiters, there's some kind of tracker on it, right? There's a stream of consciousness there that is either, it's motivated by all kinds of different things, but it's there and it can either help propel us forward or really be a constraint on our impact So, and the impact we create for others. So,
0: Absolutely. Thank you for the work that you do, Trey.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed this conversation.
0: Likewise, I have too. Do you have any final closing remarks and where can we, the listener, find more about you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. No closing remarks other than, man, give yourself a lot of grace. Mm-hmm. Work really hard. Give yourself a lot of grace. And gosh, if you're not having fun, find something that's fun. There's too much uh, opportunity in this world to not be having fun. So go do something that that lights your fire and gets you up every day uh, without a paycheck for that matter. We all have to pay bills, but do something that you do for free and you'll never work another day. If you want more information, I, so we created We get this question a lot, which is my business scalable. I really enjoy it, right? They found the passion piece of it maybe, but is this thing scalable? Will it grow or can it grow? And so we created a really simple assessment. So if any of your listeners want to go assess the scalability of their business, you can go to thescalefactor.com and you can take our assessment there. We have a short version, a seven-question version. We also have a 28-question version, but it's really looking at these seven factors and measuring or assessing your business against those. So it's completely free. You're welcome to go check it out. If nothing else, it's a great little baseline uh, that you can, again, become more business aware of what potentially is limiting uh, your business.
0: Nice, Trey, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, And that website again is thescalefactor.com. Find, go find the quiz and see what the uh, scalability of your business is. And if you are also inspired by this, reach out to Trey and see what is possible for your business. Trey, once again, thank you for serving all of us business owners who are are wanting to scale our business and, and increase our impact. You help us do that. So thank you.
1: Absolutely. Enjoy the dap.
0: All right.